Cricket Life Stories with me, Neil Kagram, and today we're joined by Owe Shah. Owe, thank you for your time today. No problem. So, born in Karachi, Pakistan. Tell me through your earliest cricketing memories as such. As um, I've grown up in Pakistan, um, the, there's a one sport that really is played between every street corner and the court in, inside the house, outside the house, flats, uh, any any far place you can find to play cricket cricket's played there and and that's very much how i grew up how i got into cricket um i my typical day would be say you know go to school come back uh and by by the time i've done my homework once i've come home i'm literally go down to the the street that i used to live in um so we used to live in flats and the street outside the flats that's where we used to play cricket football hockey but generally cricket um and in the evening i'll just play cricket I would come back upstairs, have some dinner, and then I'd go back out again in the corridor outside, literally the outside of the door of my flat, and play corridor cricket with my friends till like 9, 9, 30, 10 o'clock till it's time to go to bed. That's how I literally was raised. Um, by the time I was seven, I think I was seven, eight, my dad was working in the airline. He got transferred to England. And when I came to England, I joined a cricket club called uh, Wickham House Cricket Club yep. in uh, Ossley, very, very close to Sky Sports Studios. And I started playing cricket there uh, and I played there for a couple of years till I was about 10. And then by the time I was 10, my dad got posted back to England. He worked in the airline. So we had to move back. But uh, because I was playing club cricket in England, they were very much interested in me to sort of keep coming back and forth because my dad worked in the airline uh, at that time. You know, airline tickets were practically, my dad could get in for practically nothing. Uh, so it just made a lot of sense for me to keep coming back and forth and playing cricket here, playing cricket in Pakistan. Uh, and this is really at the club where I started playing proper hard cricket ball cricket. Um, and I, I guess I did well uh, during the ages of 11, 12, 13 and 14. There was a famous innings when you were at 12, you know, that I read that you got a, you played for men, in a, in a men's game, you got 150. Uh, I think that... <laughs> or was that just one of many innings? I, I got a few runs, I guess. Few... I, you know, I was playing men's fourth 11, third 11 cricket at 12. And I worked my way through the ranks and by the time I was 14, I was a regular in the first 11 at Wickham House Cricket Club. Um, so I guess, you know, my progression was very much straight. As soon as, you know, I progressed in men's third or fourth 11, they would push me into the seconds. And then as soon as I did well in seconds, boom, you know, you're in the first team. And, and it was a really, really good learning curve for me and learning a lot of stuff at a very early age. Um, because I was just, you know, in the dressing room with grown men on most weekends, uh, playing cricket, discussing cricket, learning from them. And obviously, you know, because I was performing, I was very much welcomed in the in the dressing room and everybody liked and everyone kept pushing me forward to say, you know, go on, you play there, you do this, you do that. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, and by the time I was 15, um, I got asked to play in a Middlesex trial uh, for the Middlesex second eleven. Um, so all the age groups under 11, 12, 13, 14s, I played for the Middlesex under 11, 12, 13, 14s. Uh, and by the time I was 15, I, was, I played under 19 cricket and then I ended up playing this trial game, I guess you could call it, against uh, the England under 19s for Middlesex second level. Yeah. And I performed in there, I got a 50 odd uh, in the second innings, or the, no, 50 odd in my first innings, I think maybe 20 odd in the second innings. And I guess I impressed the coach who said, okay, look, you've done well, we want to offer you a professional contract. So, you know, that was music to my ears and, and I was like, wow, I, I can actually play professional cricket uh, when I'm not at school. Because obviously I was still at school. Yeah, I was so, going to say, like, were you academic or was it just cricket? No, well, well, you know, I absolutely love cricket, uh, watching cricket. Uh, even if England were in Australia, I'd stay up most of the night watching them. Um, but yeah, look, cricket was my, my first love and I absolutely loved it, but my parents wouldn't just let me play cricket. They said, no, no, you've got to go to school, you've got to do your studies. And then when you have time off in your summer holidays, yes, you go and play professional cricket and Middlesex were happy with that. Um, but because I was only 15, so I was only playing second lemon cricket. So I guess it was a learning curve for me to start sort of get a taste of what it was like to become a professional cricketer. At the age of 15, I guess I'd, 
I probably didn't appreciate at that time what it took to be a professional cricketer because what I wanted to do was go and just play cricket. You know, yeah, I didn't really talent. You yeah, know. I didn't really really realize what responsibilities came um, with being a professional cricketer at 15, and I didn't really have to worry about it. And 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 good on the coaches really for for them not to make me feel that way. Because I didn't, I guess, need to worry about it. I just needed to come and enjoy my cricket. I was still 15. I was learning. Uh, and it was only till I was probably 19, 20 when I stopped uh, my studies because my cricket was taking over practically my life. And that's when I became a full-time professional. And at that time, I realized what it meant to become a professional cricketer. Uh, but I guess at the age of 15 up until the age of 19, I loved those four or five years just learning about the game and just really absolutely enjoying it. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy my cricketing career, but at that time it was literally, hey, I'm going to go play a game of cricket. I'll get paid for it. Great. I'm not really fussed about the money at the moment. It's all about going and enjoying myself playing a game of cricket and hopefully doing well at it. So your first actual game uh, in the first team for Middlesex was the age of 17? Correct, yeah. Do you feel you're ready at that age? Well, well, you say 17, my first class debut, yes. Yeah. But in the first team, it was at 16, uh, I played a one-day game for Middlesex, right. first 11, batting at six, I think, um, at Lords against Nottinghamshire. It was, uh, it was a one-day game. I, was, I got 14 runs and I was caught and bowled in that game. So that was my first taste of first team cricket. Yeah. At 16, but yeah, my first class debut was at 17. Funny enough, was also against Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club. And again, do you feel you're ready, or was it? Yeah, just, oh yeah, I felt ready. I felt when you're in your I, youth, you just think, just roll with it. Like I said, those years between 15 to 19, I was just loving cricket. It was amazing. It was oh, I'm playing there, I'm playing here, I'm playing in the first team, I'm playing in the same dressing room as you know Philip Tufnell, Mark Raprakash, Mike Gatting, uh, Angus Fraser, all these guys who have. You know, I've seen on TV and followed their careers for Middlesex. All of a sudden, they're my teammates. Um, you know, I couldn't quite understand the, I guess, the the level of, uh, not probably not the level, but couldn't probably comprehend as to what I had probably achieved at that time to be sharing a dressing room with these legends of You Middlesex. mentioned two batsmen there, Gatting and Ramprakash. Yeah. Were they inspirations for you? Oh, extremely. Ram Rambrakash was a bit of a hero of mine growing up. Uh, and I'll tell you why it was that. So when I was under 11s, um, I played for Middlesex under 11s and I had a really good season. And the coach, uh, his name was David Green, he compared me to uh, Mark Rambrakash. At that time, I didn't actually know who Ramps was. I, I didn't know who he was. Um, and I was like, well, who is this Mark Rambrakash? Uh, so I sort of looked him up and saw, okay, well, you know, he's a good player. I saw him play and I thought, yeah, he's a good player. Okay, I, I say, well, maybe I could be as good as him because he's a Middlesex first 11 regular player and he's playing for England, so he must be good. Must be good, yeah. So he was a bit of a hero, so I looked up to him and, uh, yeah, look, he was very inspirational. And, uh, and obviously Mike Gatting, I mean, you know, I knew, I knew who Mike Gatting was. Even when I was like six, seven, eight years old, I knew who he was, so... Um, yeah, you know, being in the same dressing room with him and just listening to him talking about batting. Uh, if I had some batting problems, I would talk to him about, you know, you know, I'd say, Gat, you know, what, do you, what would you do in this situation? How would you play a spinner? Because he was a good player of spin. And uh, just trying to tap into his knowledge, trying to tap into his experience of playing international cricket. And uh, yeah, look, there were, there were two absolute legends of the game who I was very, very lucky enough to be in the same dressing room at that age, you know, where my learning years It's the age where you kind of soak in all the information. Of course, and to have, you know, two guys like that, extremely professional and, uh, yeah, just a, just a great sort of wealth of knowledge there, just sitting there to be tapped into. Yeah, it was great to, uh, you know, uh, share a dressing room with them and then too. 1990, uh, 1998, you actually skipped the under-19 England team that actually won the tournament. Yes, uh, so England under 19 stuff, England under 17s and all under England 15, all that kind of stuff sort of came along when I was 14, 15 years old. I, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I, uh, I went for, when I was under 15s, no, when I was 14 years old, I was asked to go for South of England trials. I went along, I did okay, uh, but I didn't get in. So, okay, I didn't get in. So, sorry, I, went, I was picked for South of England but it was 
south of England trials to get into the England under 14 team. Right. If that makes sense. And uh, I didn't get in. I didn't, I guess, perform very well, which was fine. But at that, during that year, I was playing for Middlesex under 15s as a 14 year old because I played a year above my age group. So we were playing a game against Essex under 15s, whose coach was also the South of England under 15 coach, who said, you've played really well, would you mind coming along for the South of England team? Why not? Hmm. I went along, I got in, I did well, and I got, I still didn't get picked in the England under 15 team. They announced the team, they went, no, you're not in it. Okay, I come home. The next day, I get a phone call saying, you're in the England team because one of the players who was picked has broken his thumb. That player was Andrew Flintoff. No way. So he got, obviously he was injured, so I had to replace Freddie. And we were playing some games against the England under 16s uh, at Oundle School, where I ended up scoring um, a double hundred against uh, England under 16. So I was 14 years old. I was playing for the England under 15s against the England under 16s, and I scored 232 at Oundle School, um, which was. I guess probably the innings that really announced myself on the England under 15 stage or the Middlesex second 11 stage or any, you know, the young schoolboy kind of uh, cricket that was happening, I announced myself with those innings. Uh, not too many people were scoring double hundreds at that age, I guess. And uh, yeah, and then I guess from then on, things sort of went on from there and I ended up playing in for England under 17s, um, England under 19s. And then the reason I told you that story about Freddie was because when I was 17, I got picked for England under 19s to tour the West Indies, but I couldn't make it on the tour because my qualifications and passport were not ready in time for the tour. So guess who replaced me in the England under 19 yeah. team? Andrew Flintoff. Yeah. So he goes on onto tour does really well and obviously you know his career obviously went on to represent England at all levels and uh, yeah that was sort of, sort of a funny story but so then when I turned 19 I was I had all this experience playing England youth cricket uh, and it just made sense I guess for them to make me England 19 captain the World Cup came along and um, were you a natural captain do you feel um, I never really captained much schoolboy cricket so Come natural to you? I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I Do you think it helped your batting? Do you know, you see now there's a lot of criticism no, of certain players. I don't think it affected my batting at all, uh, whether it was a positive or a negative way. It, it, not something I thought about when I captained, whether it's going to impact on my batting or when I was batting, did I feel tired or anything like that? I just, I actually loved it. I actually loved captaining because I did it in my own style. I've never been a... Uh, a guy who's very, you know, sergeant major, no, we're going to do it this way. I've never been a kind of, that kind of person. I'm very, very much more trying to soak in from what the team wants and then try, try and make the best decision, what, what is the best for the team, whether guys like it or not, that's life. But I would always take people's opinion and just more sort of discuss stuff and try and always have a reason for my actions. And that's how I sort of captained it. And yeah, we went on to win the Under-19 World Cup. Uh, it you wasn't, got 50 in the final. I got 50 in the final. It wasn't a smooth tournament for us by any stretch of imagination. We lost to Bangladesh. We lost to India. How we qualified for the final, I do not know. Uh, the coaches weren't happy with us. Uh, the, uh, John Abrahams uh, was a coach. I think if you ever speak to him, I don't think he was happy with us uh, as a group of players. We weren't really playing to our potential. Um, I think we might have been court going out a few nights out. Uh, I remember Phil Neal, who's the current England manager, he was our tour manager and he certainly wasn't happy with us. But somehow we managed to sneak into that final. Uh, sorry, we got into the semi-final against Australia and we had to beat them in, I think, 29 or 30 overs uh, because we were chasing a target. So we, we, we won the toss, we bowled, uh, we rolled them quickly, but then we had to chase that target in under 30 overs. And I think we managed to do that and qualified for the final. And once the final arrived, um, we were, I think, far too good for New Zealand on the day. 
Stephen Peters from Essex at that time, he had a really, really good tournament. He had, a, I think, he got a semi-final hundred and a final hundred. Uh, so he was on fire. Uh, and I guess for, on a personal note, I had a very up and down tournament. But I, I guess for me, uh, getting runs in a final just sort of, sort of, sort of, just sort of, just sort of, put, what was the icing on the cake icing a little cake, bit? Yeah. Because Stephen had a wonderful tournament. He had a really good final. He did well. And then I sort of came in right towards sort of, the end with Graham Swan actually we both sort of saw us home and me sort of somehow getting the winning runs and lifting the trophy. You say you had an up and down tournament but I did read a quote from uh, Rob Key who said that you were probably the one player that they tipped for greatness. Um, so you go on from that tournament to be picked for the England A side. I think you were age 17? No so it wasn't from that. I got picked for England uh, A team at 17 so that was two years before that tournament. Two years before right. Uh, so I got picked uh, so I had a couple of decent performances for so when I said when I was playing, playing a lot of England schoolboy cricket uh, when I was 17 I was playing for England under 19s against New Zealand right and I had a really really good series in England um, we got I got lots of runs up in I think we were playing in Worcestershire we played at Manchester wherever Old Trafford and I had a really good summer that year and that winter, well, they were announcing an England A team, and they said that there's going to be one player who's going to get picked from that under 19 group who's going to be, be going to go on to that trip. And to be honest, we all thought that's going to be a guy called David Sales, who was a bit of a hero of mine as well. Uh, although he was, in a, he was a year above, I sort of looked up to him a lot because he was a phenomenal talent, probably one of the most talented players I've ever played with or against. And we all thought it would always be David because he was, he was just a class above everyone uh, who would get picked. And, and, and just to my surprise, I got picked. I couldn't really understand why. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I was more than happy to get, uh, to get on that trip and ended up going on tour to Australia. Um, and I had a decent tour. I, um, I got some runs against Stuart McGill in the first game where our team struggled. I think I was the only one who got runs. Uh, I think both innings, it was a two or three day game, I can't remember, but it was a double innings game and I think I got 17 both innings, played McGill reasonably well and uh, yeah, you know, had a, good tour, had a good tour of Australia and yeah, absolutely loved being involved in that setup of, you know, England, England A and England under 19s and it was, you know, when you're playing England A, you actually also realise that's one step away from playing for the country yeah. in, a, in a test match in a one-day international in the T20. Obviously, T20 wasn't around then. Give you the hunger. Oh, oh, oh don't worry about that, mate. I had hunger. You always had it. Uh, yeah, you know, when you're... Uh, I had hunger since I was probably, you know, 10 years old when I started playing Red Bull cricket. I realised, and without sounding ar arrogant, I realised that I could play cricket. Um, and I just always had this belief that I was going to ask, I you always be, have the belief that you were going to play you know at the what? highest level? I had this belief that I'm going to play cricket on TV. I just had this thing that... I, I used to remember staying awake um, the summer, you know, watching cricket and stuff on TV. I would stay awake till about 10.30, even sometimes 10 to 11. I remember the highlights used to come on uh, pretty late on, I think, BBC Two sometimes. And I would always stay up and watch those highlights. And I always remembered watching highlights or watching any test match. Always thought I'm going to be on that TV. When it will be, who it will be for, I do not know. But I am going to be watching. I'm going to be playing cricket on TV one day. So I always had that belief. Um, and I guess, you know, that belief in a way, I think looking back, realizing that, yes, I knew I was good enough. Um, and I guess it was just a matter of time as to when that dream comes true. So that time did come in 2001, where you get your ODI debut against Australia. Correct, yes. How was that feeling when you finally got that cap in your hand? Yeah, amazing. Um, it, was, it was funny, actually, because I got picked in the squad because Graham Thorpe got injured. So I got a phone call saying, look, you've got to replace Thorpe in the squad. Uh, get yourself down to Bristol. So, you know, go in the car next day. Boom, got down myself to Bristol. We had a practice uh, the night before the game uh, in the evening and we had a practice. I didn't really have much of a practice. I had a few throwdowns because I wasn't expected to play. Michael Vaughan was supposed to play because uh, he was going to be the, he was already in the squad. So he played instead of Graham Thorpe. So I was going to sort of cover for Michael Vaughan in a way. 
Um, and we turned up to the to the to the one day international. It was an afternoon game, I think it was. And um, they said, "Up, oh, Vaughn's hurt his thumb. You're in." So I was like, "Whoa!" I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, so I didn't have the old sleepless night. Oh my god, I'm gonna play tomorrow morning. How am I gonna play? You know, you almost sort of play that first innings in your head the night before about ten times and probably struggle to sleep. I didn't have any of that because I wasn't expected to play. I was just like, okay, you know, uh, make sure the players have everything, you know, be the 12th man duties, as boring as they are, but they are, it is at an international game. It's my first chance to be with, you know, all these international players. Um, I think Alex Stewart was the captain. Uh, I was just, I was just loving it. I was just excited to just be there in the dressing room with those guys and wasn't expected to play. Uh, but then obviously, you know, the nod came uh, sort of almost at the 11th hour. And then, yeah, I got my gear, got had a few throws, had a quick net. Uh, and then, yeah, off I went and uh, had a little partnership with uh, my friend, late Ben, ben Holyoke. Um, and it, well, yeah, it was great. You know, I walked to the pit, I walked to the wicket. I think uh, uh, I, I remember facing Brett Lee. My first ball in international was against Brett Lee, who uh, he bowled a short, it went past there. And I was like, whoa, that was quick. Obviously didn't say that. And I just pretended to have it all under control. But tell you what, my heart was beating pretty fast. Yeah, I was going to say, it might sound like an obvious thing, but did you notice the difference, the step up, the international level, the pace, the skill level? I did when Brett Lee was running in, yeah. My first game against Brett Lee in an international, my first international game against Brett Lee, I mean. Yeah, that was, he was fast, jeez. And, um, but yeah, you know, you, once you're in there, you know, you don't think, no, well, I, I'm not cut out for this. You know, you don't think that. You just think, okay, this is what it is. Let's just do what I have to do. Uh, and luckily, Mark Wall was bowling at the other end. So I quickly got a single. Got to swept the ball. Got a single off the mark. I thought, right, I, can't, I haven't got naught in international cricket. And uh, yeah, off I went. And yeah, I got, like I said, I had a little partnership with uh, Ben Holyoke at that stage. Uh, I think we were struggling a little bit. Got a reasonable, reasonable score. Um, and then a certain Ricky Ponting uh, for Australia came along, uh, cruised his way to 100 and uh, we got hammered in, the ga in that game, unfortunately. How do you summarise the first year and a bit in inter international cricket yourself? I know you got your first 50 against Pakistan, um, but then would it be fair to say a bit of inconsistency? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, my first year and a half in international cricket was, uh, it was, it was... It was frustrating, um, and I'll tell you why, because uh, the more and more I played, the more and more I realised it's a step up, uh, but how do I cope with that step up? You know, is, it, is it a mental, mental side of things? I don't, know if, I don't know about mental, I think it was more realising that you know, the ball is doing certain things uh, and their skill level is so much higher, um, I probably wasn't prepared for it. Um, and I think once I've realized that and I got myself out, of, found myself out of the, out of the team, when I went back into county cricket, I realized that I had to become more consistent and even more technically sound to, if I got another opportunity to be able to go in there and try and then dominate, uh, and be able to, um, you know, have been a contest against, uh, the likes of Shane Warne or. Uh, Hayden uh, batting or Gilchrist or McGrath bowling, you know, all that kind of cricketers. Um, you've got to be able to hold your own. You can't just sort of thing, you know, look around and go, well, you know what cricket's like. It, you're, it's you, you, you're, when you're out there, you're out there. And it's you against the other guys. And you've got to perform. So I think I realized that looking back and then when I went back into country cricket, trying to be become more consistent and more just technically more sound um so yeah uh, yeah you're, you're dead right i was inconsistent um but I'm, i guess i was just i was to me honest i was just enjoying it so much i didn't worry too much about it without realizing oh you know what i'm actually not really con contributing enough to warrant selection and by the time i realized that i found myself out of the team so uh rightly so i think i was dropped um but then you know i realized that i got a got a I've really got to change and improve quickly to get back in. There's also a little bit said about your fielding. Yeah. Um, is, do you think that criticism again was fair? 
<laughs> you know what? I, I found that fielding... Or was it just a tag that you just got branded with and it's, you know, something that people just rolled with unfairly? I think, I think you know, I wouldn't say I was the fastest. I wouldn't, but on the same breath, I wouldn't say I was the slowest. Um, and I just found that it was a tag that people sort of put on me for, for no apparent reason. It's not like I was dropping catches uh, any more than, say, someone else. You know, I can hold, like I was holding catches. I might drop the odd one, like most people. Um, but I just found that the commentators would often focus on, on me to say, well, you know, this guy is not maybe fielding right or, or catching the ball or diving over the ball or, or whatever it may be. Did you, did you go away and work hard at it? Or yeah. was it just something that you just thought, you know, it's just unfair criticism? No, I would never say, oh, no, it's just unfair. I think if somebody is raising a point, then I would look at it and try and improve it. Uh, so I started uh, addressing my fitness um, and starting addressing my fielding uh, and, and trying to make sure that, you know, if I do get another opportunity, they couldn't sort of point a finger at me to say, hey, this guy's not really the best in the field. So that kind of stuff, yes, was there and I, I listened to it, but I tried to make sure I did something about it. So you go away in county cricket, 2004-2005, you score a bag full of runs, over a thousand in both seasons. In 2004, you were deputising for Andrew Strauss um, as a skipper for Middlesex. You... Just due to a, you know um, some bad uh, bad results for the team, um, you were stripped of the of the captaincy. How did that make you feel? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty your low boy, actually. Your boyhood pretty, club. I thought it was pretty poor. I thought uh, yeah, you're dead right. I was stripped of the captaincy. Um, we had some some results not go our way. We uh, lost, I think against Warwickshire at Lords and we also got hammered against Gloucestershire away and I got a phone call after I think this was only after like five or six games of captaining the team um, and uh, John Emery rang me up and said look uh, the committee are thinking about getting rid of you as captain which I was absolutely shocked to hear about it um, and about an hour later, John rang me up and said, yep, you know, you're not captain anymore, which really, really hurt me uh, because I felt that it was only after six games. It's not like a whole summer or half a summer. This is after six games of four day cricket and you're sacking me because some results haven't gone our way. Um, but, you know, they decided to make that decision, the club, and, 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 and it went ahead. So I sort of... How did that make you feel? Pretty bad, pretty, pretty crap, to be honest. I, I was disappointed. Disappointed in the club? Extremely, extremely disappointed. And I told John that, look, I'm disappointing at the way I've been treated by the club. Uh, but it's the decision they've made. I'm not going to go against it. If that's what they want, then carry on. Um, and I decided to make uh, Ed Joyce captain for the rest of the summer. And then the following year... Uh, I think the captain was uh, Ben Hutton. I think he captained us the following summer. Uh, yeah, I lost a lot of love for Middlesex after the way I was treated by the committee. Um, Did uh, you ever think about leaving? Not at that time, no. Uh, at the end of the day, I was, you know, I still wanted to play my cricket at Middlesex. Okay, I wasn't captain, um, which I felt was very unfair. I didn't really get a a good crack of the whip. How can you judge someone after six games? I do not know. Um, so yeah, I was very disappointed, but it was what it was. Um, and I just decided to really, really focus and really channel all my energy into my batting and become the best player I could be at the club. Um, and I decided that, you know, I'm going to really try and really almost, almost sort of make a statement with my batting. Um, try and get lots and lots of runs, really improve and just be the best player I could be. And that, that, that's exactly what I tried to do once that had happened. Um, so that period, was that, do you reckon, the best you batted? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's the best I've batted. I think you, you end up, as a professional cricketer, there are, you, there, are, there, are, there are phases that you bat really well and there are phases where things are not going to plan and you just try hanging in and survive. You know, I've played some innings for Middlesex, some innings 
um, for England or some innings all over the world where I was fortunate to play, I would say were my best innings. Um, I wouldn't say I was playing the best cricket, but I was playing, playing some good brand of cricket. So having a look at your stats here, average 53, um, scoring 1,336 in 2004 and averaging 65 in 2005. Um, you know, they're very, very respectable stats. Yeah, I think that came about um, I think after that summer when I got uh, sacked as captain, I um, went and saw Azruddin. I sort of got in touch with Mohammed Azruddin. How did that come about? Play, played for India, obviously. Yeah. I, um, a friend of my dad's came and watched me play for Middlesex and he said a couple of things about my game, which sort of hit home a little bit. I said, yeah, I agree with certain things he said. He said, you know what, I don't really know much, but I know a guy who does know a lot about cricket. And his name is Mohammed Azrin. I said, well, yeah, we know, all know who he is. He said, look, I can connect you to him. And just, you ring him, you sort it out, and see where you can go with it. So I rang him up, and he said, yeah, come over. And we'll do some batting together. He was opening, trying to open an academy, but we hadn't opened at the time. But he said, just come over anyway. I will do some a week's worth of batting with you. And we can see where your game can go. Over in India? Over in India. So I got myself a flight, booked myself a hotel, boom, on the plane. I went there for a week. Uh, and funny enough, uh, Azrin picked me up from the, hotel, from the airport, which is like, wow, it's like really shocking. So hospitable, yeah. Ex-Indian ex -Indian captain coming to pick old some county cricketer up. But, you know, whatever it was, I was so, I'm so grateful to him. And, yep, he took me and he took me to my hotel. He said, okay, look. Obviously, you're booked in here. Stay. I'll pick you up tomorrow afternoon. We'll go to the nets and we'll do this every day. He also had a gym nearby. He said he could use that. So, yeah, it was a good week's work. He would pick me up. We'd go to the nets. He would say, you know, you bat. And then I would bat for about an hour. Then he would bat himself and show me certain things that he said I could improve on. And we did this for about a week. And then when I came back to England for the start of that 2004 summer, I made those particular changes to my game, uh, which really, really helped me become a better player. And my stats prove that as I improved, you know, 1300 and then 1700 runs, that's the next two years. And that sort of got me back into the, into the international team. And uh, yeah, look, I, I, wrote, oh, I really, really owe a lot to Mohammed Azruddin for sort of taking me on for that trip and really helping my game. And yeah, it was, uh, it was really, I guess, down to me really trying to focus on becoming the best batter in the world and who better to speak to about batting for a guy who's played 99 times for his, uh, you know, captain. Oh no, I think he's played 99 times for his country as a test match cricketer um, and captained his country. So yeah, you know, just, I, I just felt, you know, if I want to be the best player I can be, let's try and speak to a best player in the world. So you're in this rich vein of form at the time. But did you feel there was an opportunity to, to get into that England side? Obviously, you're around that period in that 2005 series against Australia, mm. the famous team. So did you feel there was a chance for you to still break in? I always believed that if I performed, um, the selectors cannot ignore me. It's just impossible. When I'm putting those kind of numbers on the board of averaging 70, with, you know, six, sorry, 65 with 1,700 runs to my name, how you can ignore that? So I know there's a huge belief in consistency in selection, but I know in that Australian series that like Ian Bell didn't score the number of runs that he, that you know he probably would have liked. Um, there was an injury um, to Simon Jones, and they chose to bring in Paul Collingwood. Did you feel that you know there, there was a bit hard done by not not to get even like a, a sniff, or was it a case of? I think Paul Collingwood at that time was playing, I think, a lot of one-day cricket for England. Um, I know Duncan Fletcher liked him a lot as a cricketer. So, to be honest, that didn't really surprise me that uh, Paul Collingwood got, got the nod. Although I was scoring a lot of runs in the summer, I'm sure Paul Collingwood as well. Um, but I guess, you know, at the, at that, at the end of the day, if a, if, a, if a coach wants a particular player in, he will get him in uh, as long as they're performing. So, yeah, to be honest, that didn't really surprise me. Um, but I knew that if I just kept Scoring my runs, kept scoring my runs. My opportunity will come at some stage. And, and uh, funny enough, although I didn't get selected that winter, I was part of the academy. You uh, got selected for the England B? Isn't England, that, is that England A. Is England that what they B, called it? Yeah. Call it? yeah. And um, I uh, got picked for the tour to the West Indies. But by the time we 
as the A team got to the West Indies, there were a couple of injuries in India uh, in the main team. So they obviously flew me over from the West Indies to India and uh, to come and join the test squad there. And I guess it was my opportunity then to say, okay, how can I get myself back into, you know, into the England fold? And uh, I guess, you know, you do need, you do need luck in, in sport. And uh, I had that luck uh, during the third test in India. Uh, deciding test match where we were one nil down, we ended up going on to win the test match, and I got a few runs in that game. Eighty eight, eighty eight, yeah, eighty eight, and thirty eight, and on debut, yes, uh, absolutely loved it. Um, I again, again, night before the game, the team was selected, and my name was not in it. And I remember going to bed that night. My wife at the time was there, and. Uh, and I said to her, I can't believe I'm not picked in this last test. Uh, so I have to do all that work that I've just done in the summer again next summer to get in there. And I felt a little bit disappointed. Anyway, I went to bed. And even in the morning when I was, I remember having a shower and I was still so gutted in the shower, just stood there just having a shower, just thinking, I've got to do all that work again to get my chance. And by the time I got downstairs, had breakfast, got onto the coach, as I was walking onto the coach, Duncan Fletcher said to me, prepare to play. And I said, okay. And I walked past him and I thought, that doesn't make any sense to me. He selected the team last night. Why is he saying that? And I thought, ah, someone could be injured or ill. You're on in India often. Can happen, yeah. Bad stomach and stuff. And I looked around the team in the bus because Fletch would sit always at the front as I went past him. And I thought, the whole squad is here. And I sort of counted in my head. And I thought, no, everyone's here. You know, if you're ill, you don't come to the ground. You're ill, mate. You're in bed. And um, so I thought he was just trying to, you know, sometimes like Fletch was quite renowned for playing games, mind games and all that sort of stuff. So I thought maybe he's just trying to mess with my head a little bit. And I just sort of ignored it. I didn't really worry about playing. I didn't think, nah, I thought, whatever. I had my headphones on, I was listening to music. I was like, whatever, mate. I got to the ground and I was just, I still didn't, I didn't get changed. The team was, you know, sort of getting dressed for the warm up to get throwdowns and stuff like that. I just thought, nah, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to be tough, man, for the next five days. Why do I need to hit balls? Because the last test after five days will be going home and I'll hit some balls when I get home. And after the, I was just sitting around and all of a sudden, Alistair Cook was sitting next to me. He came into the dressing room and he was sitting there next to me and I noticed him crying. And I said, Cookie, are you okay, mate? Uh, and he said, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm not playing this test match. Uh, I've been ill the whole night and I'm struggling. And that's when I realized that's what when Fletch went, mm. <laughs> what Fletch meant as to prepare to play. So I went, oh, okay. So I quickly took my headphones off. I grabbed my batting stuff. I went out there. I had, had hit some balls. So I thought, geez, this is my test match. And, and that's when I realized I'm going to be playing. So again, I didn't have the whole restless night. I was actually disappointed not to be picked. Um, and yeah, I didn't have the restless night of, you know, play the a whole innings in your head. I was actually pretty chilled out and uh, funny enough, Andrew Flintoff was captain and he gave me my test cap. I was going to ask, who gave you a test cap? Andrew Flintoff, the guy who you know replaced me, then I replaced him, da da da. Fair enough, Freddie ended up giving my test cap, which was a really nice moment, a good friend of mine. And yeah, it was really cool that um, that was him that sort of gave me my test cap and ended up getting 88 runs on the, in my first inning. But then did it then disappoint you that you had to wait so long to, to play your second test match? Extremely disappointed. I couldn't understand why I was dropped. I felt that I came in to the test match. Did they give you reasons? <laughs> they just, so we, went, we all went home. And at the start of summer, the first test, I wasn't in. And David Graveney rang me and said, you're not in. And I couldn't understand why. Uh, I guess Michael Vaughan and Tris Gothic or whoever were trying to come back into the team, which is fine, but surely you would have found some way of squeezing me in because if you get a debut 88 and <coughs> excuse me, and 38 home, in the second innings, surely you warrant selection. You've, you've, what else are you, are you supposed to do? And yeah, extremely disappointed with the England setup. Uh, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel at that time I was treated very fairly. 
and um, I ended up actually having to wait a year and a half for my second test, which came at Lords against the West Indies when I actually wasn't playing very well. So going back to that period where you where you didn't get picked, I know I touched on it, but did they just say go back to county cricket? Did they say they wanted to get the other players back in or was it a case of you're not in and that was it? I think it was just a case of you're not in. Uh, we're gonna, obviously, I went on to replace uh, Michael Vaughan, Michael Strzokothic. He wasn't obviously fit enough, so he flew back. Uh, and they said, look, these guys are going to come back in, but, which is fine. I understand that. But what I couldn't understand is why I couldn't replace another guy who hasn't performed. Um, so that's the bit that I didn't quite understand why I wasn't picked. Uh, and it was very disappointing, of course. Um, but it is what it is. What can I do? Is All I could do is go back to county cricket and try and get some runs. And, um, so you yeah. get your opportunity again 15 months later Correct. at your home ground. At my home ground against, against West, West Indies. Indies. I didn't, didn't quite go your way. No, it didn't. No, I didn't play very well. Um, and, it, and, and again, look, it can happen. You, you get an opportunity, you come in, you try, almost tried a bit too hard at times. Because Things I've, like innings where like the other players got big runs. Correct. Uh, but I think it's I was... It's difficult, isn't it? I, no, it was difficult, but for me, I guess I wanted to, because I was quite disappointed in the fact that it took him a year and a half to give me my next opportunity. Um, I just really wanted to prove a point and I wasn't probably looking back on it now in the best frame of mind. I should have been gone out there to try and play my best cricket. I was going out there to prove a point. And to me, that's not the best way to play sport. You've got to go and just enjoy the moment and play your best game. You know, you shouldn't be worrying about, well, if I get runs here, I can prove a point to the press or to the selectors. I believe that's a wrong frame of mind to be playing any sport in you, because you're thinking about the future or the outcome and what impact it will have on how you perform. I don't believe that that is the correct way. Um, and, and it didn't surprise me, I ended up getting two low scores and then dropped again for another year, uh, which again, I, I couldn't understand then why, why was I brought in for one test match? If I must be doing something right. That's why I got that test opportunity. And then, boom, you're gone after two innings. Yes, I didn't score many runs, but, geez, if you're going to bring people in for just one test match and then drop them, that's, uh, that's quite harsh. Do you think they also saw you more as a one-day player? Because I know that, you know, you've, you've played, what, 70-odd one-day internationals. And 2007, against that, that series against India, you got your maiden ODI 100. Do you reckon that they saw you more as a one-day player? I think they perhaps did uh, see me as a more of a uh, one-day player. But my four-day stats, I reckon, were probably better for Middlesex <laughs> than they were at one-day cricket. So I don't really know how they sort of... Did you have a preference of which format to play? Or was it <sighs> the case course, of... Of course, always play you test just cricket. Wanted to play, yeah. Of course, of course. It's all about playing test match cricket. That was a um, pinnacle for you? Of course. It, I think it was for any cricketer at that time. Uh, to be playing test match cricket for your country. And that's what I was desperately wanting to do. And I was also at a club, Middlesex, who really push and really put all the energy into four-day cricket. So I was raised that way, learning all my cricket from the days of looking at watching Rams and Fraser and Tufnell and Gatting play. It was all about four-day cricket. So that's how I was sort of raised in the cricketing circles. And of course, it was about playing test match, match cricket for for my country and and yeah look if they saw me as a one-day player I can't really help that because obviously I did have other shots that I could you know tap into uh, which are probably the norm now I guess perhaps I was maybe ahead of my time I don't know um, but I certainly addressed my four-day form and my numbers uh, are there they add up uh, averaging like you said in 2004-2005 oh, I, had, I had some really good first-class years uh, in the, sorry, in the first class game. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, opportunities were there, I guess, in whatever form came my way. And I just, I was just desperate to play for him. That's all it was. And I touched on it there. You got 100 against India in 2007. A proud moment for yourself. Oh, of course. And, you know... Lifting the helmet off. Of course. Um, anytime you play for your country is a proud moment. But to go out there and perform... Um, is is even better and of course you know to get a hundred for a batsman is is huge it was against India who I've played a lot of cricket against 
Um, and yeah, it was it was just a great moment at the Oval. It was we were actually in a bit of bother. Uh, I remember we were I think sixty five for four or sixty five for five, something like that. And then me and Luke Wright got a partnership going, and then eventually, right at the end of the innings, uh, Demi Mascarenas came and hit those five sixes of Yuvraj Singh. Yeah, thanks to MS Dhoni bowling a left arm spinner last over of the innings, which was a bit bizarre. Sorry, not MS Dhoni. It was Saurav Ganguly, Saurav. the captain. And, uh, and yeah, look, it worked reasonably well. I think we got 300 plus. Uh, but unfortunately for us, we ended up losing the game. A certain, uh, Sachin Tanduka got 99. Sachin Saurav came out and then yeah. Robin Uttapa. Yep, but Tanduka got a 99 and yeah. uh, that was a bulk of the runs. And, and Robin Uttapa, I think, yeah, ended up uh, seeing uh, India home. But yeah, it, but it was a great series. You ever mentioned up- with the ball, though, in that match? Yes, you I got, got round Dravid out. With yeah. your office? Yes, with my office, a long hop, I ended up bowling. <laughs> what happened? As I bowled it, my toe cramped. So I sort of buckled. Uh, and and doing, in doing that, I dragged the ball down. And it, it turned out to be a long hop, but I do not know how. He just managed to flick it straight to Paul Collingwood at midwicket, who took a really good catch. And I couldn't believe my luck. I all of a sudden I had Rahul Dravid the out. Wall. The wall. The wall. One of the greatest batsmen to ever play the game. Uh, I managed to get him out. And yeah, it was a super, super proud moment. I just wish we could have gone on and win the game. Did you enjoy bowling? I loved it. I absolutely loved bowling. Um, I also got Kumar Sangakara out, who was another big scalp of mine. Uh, yeah, I loved bowling. And the more and more I played in the one-day game, I got more and more opportunity to bowl two or three overs every game where I felt I could contribute. I actually loved being involved in the game by bowling and things like that. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was enjoyable, very enjoyable. And then in that period, you go back in the summer, you helped Middlesex in 2008 win the, the T20 um, Yes, tournament. the T20 Cup, yes. Uh, I wouldn't say I helped Middlesex. Um, I would say I probably helped them in the final. Um, right throughout the summer, I mean, I was, I was playing for England a lot, so I didn't really have time to play many games for Middlesex that summer. But, but I know finals day was your day, wasn't correct. it? Correct. So yeah. we had a wonderful tournament. Uh, I think Ed Joyce was captain and he had a really good tournament and the team was doing really well. Owen Morgan was part of the team, who's obviously World Cup winning captain now and a phenomenal England player. And uh, I remember that finals day I was available, so I ended up playing... I didn't do much in the semi-final. I got like, I think, 15 or 20 not out because uh, a guy called Tyron Henderson, who was an all-rounder for us, he ended up getting runs in the semi-final against Durham and in the final against Kent is when I sort of uh, perhaps uh, took the glory and got about 70 or 80 Smashed odd. Smashed them over the yeah. ropes, didn't you? Correct. I had a really, really good final and ended up winning a trophy for Middlesex. Again, as a boy, as your boyhood club? Yep, boyhood club. And I never really won much with Middlesex. And that was the one piece of silverware that we won. I guess when I sort of established myself at Middlesex as a regular first team player, uh, we were going in a bit of a transition stage. We never really had good enough bowlers, I think, at Middlesex to win trophies. Middlesex always generally produced a lot of good batsmen. Uh, likes of Strauss and Joyce, who've both played international cricket, myself. Uh, but on the bowling front, I think we lacked um, talent, I guess, in terms of being able to be, you know, that extra special group of bowlers who could go on and win a championship or a tournament. I just think we struggled with that. Uh, but uh, T20 was something where we, we, where we sort of gelled uh, a group of guys who knew exactly what we were doing. It was very much held by a couple of very, very good spinners in Sean Udall and Kartik Murli uh, from India. So they, you know, they would play bold bulk of the overs uh, for us who were very good short form cricketers. Um, and then obviously around that, we had a couple of decent seamers who could do a job. But then again, our batting was our strength, I think. And it didn't really surprise me that we went on to win that T20 tournament. And that winter, you go on tour to the West Indies. Uh, Frank, you didn't play the, the first Test match, but once they dropped Ian Bell, you got your opportunity. Didn't quite go your No, it didn't it, go that it? well. I was, again, I think I was, I was sort of found myself again in that frame of mind of proving uh, the selectors right. And, and I was almost a bit too desperate for that opportunity, uh, to take that opportunity, sorry. I, I remember clearly I got an opportunity in Barbados. Um, to play and 
and I didn't perform and I, and I remember thinking to myself, I want this too much. I need to try and relax and just take it in my stride. But again, I've, you know, my, the second test that I played, I got a 50 odd in, in that. And then the next two test matches, one in Trinidad and one in Barbados, didn't go to plan. And again, I found myself out of the test team, which again, I thought, well, that's a bit bizarre. You give someone two test matches now, uh, not performing. Um, and again, you're out of the test team. So I found it really, really strange uh, that I didn't get a longer run, perhaps. What do you think the reason was? I don't know, because if just... you look at other players, they do get a longer run uh, than just two test matches. And I don't know. I, don't, I, I really do not know why I felt I was given a couple of test matches and said, oh, he hasn't scored runs, let's get him out of the team. I really don't know. Perhaps... Do you think you were the exception to the rule? Which is unfortunate for yourself. But... Mm. I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. I, I find it difficult to understand why I was. Um, but that, yeah, it was very tough to understand the selection at the time. And I found myself out of the team. Um, and yeah, just playing one day career for England. So you're just saying you're back in the, OD <coughs> the ODI side um, against Australia. Um, you score a 44 there. You play in the Champions Trophy. You get a 98 against uh, South Africa. How do you reckon that tournament went for you, though? I actually thought I played reasonably well in that ICC Champions Trophy. I got a 98, then I got some runs against Sri Lanka. Got 44 again. Yeah, I got yeah. a 44 against Sri Lanka uh, on a tricky wicket in Joburg. Uh, playing against Murtai Murlitran, I thought we played well. Uh, and then at the end of that tour, uh, I thought I actually had a reasonable tournament. Um, I find myself out of the testing, uh, out of the one-day team. Which, Even though you're, you were a contracted player as well. I wasn't a central contract. I was a, I had an incremental contract, contract. With, with England. Uh, but I found myself out of the team. I don't know. I don't really know. I, I had a feeling that at that time, Andy Flower, Andrew Strauss, uh, and maybe also the ECB wanted a lot of cricketers who were playing test cricket into the one-day team as well. Um, and I think Jonathan Trott was playing test cricket at that time. Uh, so maybe they wanted me to be out of it and maybe bring Trot in. Um, and as it turned out, that is exactly what happened. Um, which I thought was a bit harsh. I thought I felt I was doing a good enough job uh, for England. Um, like I said, I had a decent one-day tournament. Uh, Again, was there it, any reasoning given or was it just a case of... I just got dropped. Uh, Andy Flower rang me. I was at the IPL and he just said, you're not being consistent enough. Uh, which I thought was harsh. Yeah, what was your response to that? I couldn't really understand where he was going with saying that I wasn't consistent enough because prior to him dropping me, if you look at back the 12 months before in England one day international cricket, I was the leading run scorer. I had more runs than Kevin Peterson or anyone other batsman in England for England. So I'm not really sure at what stage he thought I was inconsistent. Um, so that's the main reason he said that, you know, you, uh, you're not being consistent enough. Uh, so yeah, we're going to drop you. Um, what do you say to that? <laughs> I mean, the stats speak for themselves. So I, I don't really know where to go with this. And I, I think I said it in the interview. I couldn't really understand it. I tried to get in touch with Andy Flower. To have a discussion i think he was in south africa because uh, hugh morris i remember hugh morris who was a director of cricket at that time he said you know what's this in the newspaper i said well it's true I, I, how have i been dropped i don't really get it um so i think he he said look andy's not happy i said if he's not happy that's fine i, I wouldn't mind speaking to him do you regret giving that kind of interview no not really no, why would i regret it it's fact i'm, I'm not i'm not stating anything uh, that I've made up. It's a fact that I had the most runs. So I must have been consistent at some stage prior to those 12 months and then obviously being dropped. So that didn't make any sense. And I think I was trying to get hold of Andy Flower. I couldn't get hold of him. He was in South Africa. I left a message, but I don't think he got, ever got back to me. Um, so yeah, uh, I got dropped for apparently being inconsistent when I did score the most runs. And you didn't play for... England again and then I didn't play for England again and that was the last time I played for England so yeah I found it really strange after that tournament in ICC tournament in South Africa 
I thought I did okay enough to warrant selection, but... So how would you summarise your whole England career then? You get opportunities and they get taken away from you. As you say, you're scoring runs and then, then dropped. How do, you, how do you reflect back on it? You've played at the highest level, your dream, but... Is that, do you feel a bit bitter or, uh, you know, a lot of or people are you just grateful for the opportunity? A lot of people say to me that, oh, you know, unfulfilled talent. And I, and I often hear that. And I think, you know what? People who say that don't realize how I was treated. And I don't think I was treated very fair. Um, I like to think that. Why don't you think you were treated fairly? I just told you because. Because. How, do I, how yeah. does someone get dropped? After two bad test matches, when other people get a longer run, how does someone get told you're inconsistent and get dropped from the one-day team when you're the highest run score in the last 12 months for England? How can that be right? Um, was there other reasons? Was there a clash of character between yourself and the coach? Or was it just a case of... If, he, if, if there was a clash of character, he didn't really come up to me and say, hey, man, I don't like your character. Change your character. I would have. Why? Because I wanted to play for England. Play, yeah. I don't care what I've had to take. I wanted to play for England. That's all I ever wanted to do. Um, and and to, to answer your question, how do I sum up my career? I thought I was unfortunate, unlucky in terms of I didn't get the backing I felt I deserved uh, compared to what other players got. People might say, ah, oh, unfulfilled talent. I don't agree. If you would have given me a proper opportunity, I would have shown people what I could have done. Wasn't backed enough or long enough. Uh, compared to some other people have been backed a long, lot longer. But it is what it is. Um, that's how sport is. It's not fair. Life is not fair. So you've got to accept it and you've got to move on. And to say, you know what? That is how that chapter of my life was. I tried my best. I know I sleep at night thinking, yep, I tried my best. It didn't quite work out. Maybe there's something else I can do in my life, which is even greater. Uh, and give me more satisfaction. Um, so we'll wait and see what that is. So it is what it is, man. I'm, I'm quite happy with what I've done. I've played all forms of cricket for England. I've played in all the leagues in the world. Um, I've absolutely loved it. I've absolutely loved it. Not, not many people can say that they've done what I've done. Um, especially telling you where I've come from. Um, and the journey I've had with my parents moving to England um, when I was 14, when I signed professionally, it was because of me um, to secure my future, um, you know, to say, okay, well, he's got an opportunity. Okay, we will leave England and Pakistan, sorry, come here and obviously support him and, and build a home around him so that he can sort of flourish and, and um, you know, have a career and things like that. And I like to think I've sort of repaid them. Um, I haven't pissed it up, as they say. I've sort of repaid them and, um, yeah, look, I'm respected in the cricketing circles for doing what I've done and, and I'm truly proud of it. So was it hurtful in 2010 when Middlesex um, decided not to, to renew your contract? Yes, extremely hurtful. I thought it was, it was firstly, it was terribly managed by Angus Fraser, um, who was director of cricket at the time. In the sense, what, did he not give well, you true reasoning or...? Well, they said, but well, a couple of things. Firstly, they leaked the fact that I was being released by my contract before telling me. I actually right. found out from the newspaper that I've been, I'm going to get released. Right. Uh, which I thought was extremely unprofessional on Angus Fraser and Middlesex's part. I thought that they should have had the courtesy to ring me and say, look, this is what's happening. Instead, they said, look, come in for a meeting. And I knew what the meeting was for because the newspaper already told me you're getting released from your contract. Uh, you're getting released from the club that you've been, you know, part of your your everything since the age of sort of, what, 10, 11. And, um, and he said, look, we're not going to renew your contract. And I was extremely disappointed because they said that my form, I guess, hadn't been good enough in 2010 in four-day cricket. And I agree 100%. I scored like seven, 800 runs, which is not really good enough which is fine, but if you go back prior to 2010, who had scored the most runs for that club since I've been playing in four-day cricket? And that was me. In 2010, 
Who was the leading one-day scorer at the club? Me. Who was the leading T20 scorer run at the club? Me. So basically, they've sacked me on the basis of not having a good enough four-day season for one year. That was extremely hurtful and terribly dealt with. Yeah, it must be extremely hurtful. As you said, you've just grown up through that whole club. Yeah. Um, but you then joined Essex. Yep. How did that relationship come about? Do they approach you? Um, so I spoke to the Essex coach about possibly moving. And, um, and yeah, look, a couple of the players who, were, who played there were a, bit, a few, a couple of my friends. And they said, look, we could do with a batsman of your quality. Why don't you come and speak to the coach? And my agent sort of went ahead and spoke to Essex and they were interested. And it made a lot of sense because where I live in North London, I didn't have to move home. I could just drive. Uh, the other way, rather than go towards Lords, I go towards Chelmsford, and it took the same amount of time. I just go and play my cricket there. And at that time, to be honest, I was playing a lot of T20 cricket all over the world. I was, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so at that time I was playing in South Africa, India at the IPL, Big Bash in Australia, uh, Bangladesh League. Um, so I was playing all these leagues, and I was playing county cricket. So I had a busy 12 months. And I just thought, yeah, yeah, you know, Essex will will be fine. I know the guys, I know the coach. And I thoroughly enjoyed my cricket at Essex. I actually really, really enjoyed my cricket. Um, where I was, where I think it was a fresh start and I didn't have the frustrations that I had at Middlesex, where I felt that the club hadn't really moved forward. They're, they're not the most forward-thinking club, unfortunately, as big as they are. I felt that they struggled in terms of they, I felt that they could have done a lot more to change the Middlesex way, which I think has not really worked in the last, I don't know, 20 years. Yes, we've won the T20 trophy. Yes, Middlesex won the championship, championship not few, yeah. not many, not long ago. Uh, but as a club, I find they're very, very stuck in the dark ages. It doesn't help with committees and things like that, that, that are that are there and and they think very what's the word sort of just an old-fashioned way of thinking i don't think they're dynamic enough to get better cricketers to the club and also the the youth system is in my view is not producing enough cricketers from the system that go on and play for middlesex uh the reason for that i'm not really sure what it is but I think there's, there, there are issues that need to be addressed, but it is what it is. And you talk about the major uh, tournaments you played around the world as well. What, what was your favourite? What was it like to play in the IPL, the big bash? <laughs> yeah, there's only one, mate. IPL is IPL. the best tournament in the world. Yes, the financial rewards are ridiculously high compared to every other tournament in the world. Uh, but just a whole buzz about the tournament is probably the best there is. The noise at the ground, the build-up of the games... Uh, the kind of cricketers you're playing with and against every single game is like sky high. Um, and just the whole enjoyment level in the country is amazing. You know, the festival feel. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just amazing. It's on the news. It's like the people in the hotel know exactly what's going on and and uh, everyone's talking about it. You can't escape it. It's, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard six weeks. How many editions of the IPL did you play? I played five years in five, IPL. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and yeah, I loved every, every minute of it. I love touring yeah. India, playing in India. Uh, which teams did you play? For? I played in Delhi. Yeah. I played in Kochi Tuskers. I played for KKR. Uh, I played two years at Rajasthan Royals. Um, so, yeah, that was my five years at, at, uh, at the IPL. And also the Big Bash was, is a lot of fun. I like Australia. Uh, it's a little bit more relaxed in terms of how much cricket is played. Because obviously there's less teams and you only generally play on the weekend. So you've got the whole week to do your build-up and also have some time off, which is really nice in a place like Australia. And uh, yeah, Big Bash is really, really a lot of fun. And tough cricket, you know, the Aussie cricket is quite tough. And, and uh, you know, you've got to perform. Otherwise, if you're not performing, you know, you soon get reminded that uh, you're the import and uh, you're not good enough. So uh, I quite like that challenge of, uh, you know, sort of carrying the English flag out in in Australia and to say you know what uh, we now have to play 2020 cricket and, uh, and I ended up doing quite well out there for Hobart Hurricanes 
and obviously then back home you had a little stint playing for Hampshire as well. Yes, at a couple of years at Hampshire, just playing T20 cricket. I think that time I'd retired from four-day cricket. I sort of fell out of love with four-day cricket because I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel for me to play for England. For me, it was always about just playing for England. That's the reason I played four-day cricket is to play, go on and play for England. But once that, I guess, uh, a recall had sort of disappeared and I sort of faced up to reality, my heart wasn't in, in it. I didn't want to be out there playing for for Essex playing a four hour hundred or five hour hundred just for a pat on the back. That wasn't enough for me. I wanted that England uh, lure to say, you know, if you get two, three hundreds here, they might call you back. When that wasn't happening, I just didn't want to do it. So I was happy playing short form cricket and T20 cricket, uh, which I absolutely loved. And I just wanted to enjoy it. Uh, but unfortunately, Essex couldn't give me a small contract, a short term, a short form contract. So I ended up getting one at Hampshire and yeah, enjoyed my time there. And yeah, really, really enjoyed it and give me time to also plan life after cricket, which I think is really important. Uh, so I sort of did that while I was at Hampshire, so I had enough time. And yeah, really, really happy with how it sort of panned out. And then you just said like post, post your playing career, a little stint in the UAE coaching? Yes, I, I got an I got opportunity coaching um, the UAE men's head as a head coach, which was quite interesting. I absolutely loved it. I, how did that come about? So... Um, the UAE were touring England oh sorry they were touring Scotland or something or maybe Holland and they had a pre-season at Southampton where I helped uh, the interim coach at that time Paul Franks and I guess the guys really loved what I did and they were like well you know maybe we could have him as head coach and I ended up becoming head coach for three or four months Um, and I really really enjoyed relating to the guys and understanding their culture and and trying to understand how they go about their cricket and trying to sort of install professionalism from my experience into, into their day-to-day cricket. And um, yeah, it was a really, really good experience. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I would love to get more opportunities like that. And uh, yeah, I've recently been asked to go to uh, the Bangladesh Premier League as a head coach of uh, Raj Shahi Royals. Uh, so I've got my, uh, my first stint as a head coach in the T20 format now. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to do a bit more coaching and get involved in... Is coaching in, the ambition moving Yeah, forward? I think I, I really do enjoy coaching. Uh, I also enjoy other stuff away from cricket. I, I, I'm into some real estate in England, trying to do property developing here. Uh, but, you know, when, as far as cricket is concerned, I still love cricket. I, it's in my blood. I really feel I can give back to the game. And obviously, now that the playing career is, career is done, coaching is the way forward, I think, to give back to the game, to bring bring pass the knowledge on to the youngsters and and you know just just try and sort of see if I can help young guys sort of achieve their goals quicker and in a better way than I did um so well you know there's plenty of talent in England uh, but I, I want to see if I can help some guys and recognize certain phases of people's careers to how they're sort of coping with with say pressure or the how they're dealing with success how they're dealing with their disappointment I feel I can relate to that and try and help them through and uh, to uh, just learn, make the learning process a bit quicker. Well, always, thank you very much for your time today. Fantastic career. Good luck with the coaching. Thank and, you. Uh, thank you for your time today. No problem. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. Cheers. Cricket Life Stories, Neil Kagram, OHR. Thank you.